for the opportunity to open your word together. Lord, I um, humbly ask that you would use me. Lord, use this clay vessel to give your word, which is just an amazing thought. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll speak to everyone's hearts so that um, even if I don't say something and you want to get it said, Lord, speak to their hearts anyway. Lord, let us be changed in your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. It had been three days. The one they followed, the one they thought was the king, was gone. You know, a spirit was said to hover over a body for, for, for three days, but, but no longer. It had been three days. Their friend, the one they had spent the last several years with, day in and day out, sleeping in the same area, eating together, ministering together, working together, every day for several years. They'd seen him arrested like a common criminal. A couple of them saw him go to a sham trial where he was accused falsely, where he was beaten with fists, beaten with rods, and slapped, where he was condemned. One of them saw him condemned and the people that he had come for, the people that he came to, to give life to, when he was brought up before them and said, do you want the king of the Jews, the one who has not done anything wrong, I can release him for you, or I can release this murderer and insurrectionist. Which one would you like? They said, give us the murderer. Murder the one that's perfect. They saw their friend, their hope, beaten beyond recognition. They saw him nailed to a cross. When they are nailed to the cross, they put spikes here in the hands, in between the bones so it doesn't rip out. They cross their feet and bend their knees so that um, when they have to take a breath, they have to lift up with their knees. And remember, Jesus' back was filleted open. Every time he had took a breath, he rubbed that back on a rough tree, pulling even more on his hands as he struggled to breathe. They watched their hopes 
crush when he died. This was the one. This was the one that was supposed to bring peace to Israel. This was the coming king. This was the one who was supposed to de finally defeat the Romans and give them freedom. They wanted the freedom. They wanted the, the Davidic kingdom to come. They wanted the one who was going to save them politically. And they watched him die. And it had been three days. They were locked away. They were hidden, of course. Why would they not come after his followers next? But then the third day came. The first day, Sunday, arrived. In John 20, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there. But he did not go in. So Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb. And he saw the linen, linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered and he saw and believed. One second. The, the linen wrapping showed that it was, it was not a... Um, uh, if somebody were to come and steal his body, they're not going to take the time to unwrap it. And especially they're not going to take the time to um, take the face cloth and fold it neatly. Okay? Especially there's they, they had a guard outside the tomb. They're not going to say, oh, yeah, let's just do this. Well, this was the power of God at work. By, by the way, I, I can't, no, I can't get into that. Yes, I can. The... the uh, I was not going to talk about this at all. I was looking up some stuff on the, 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 the face cloth. It's really, um, some people are saying different thing, things about that. This is not part of the sermon. This is totally free. Um, uh, what I believe um, is that this is talking, there, there's a time with Elijah. Elijah goes out and he takes his, his, um, his cloth, his, uh, and he covers his face when he goes out into uh, you, you remember he's on the mountain. He covers his face when he goes out to speak to the Lord. And I believe this is uh, evidence of that because it, it, the way it's talked, the way he's like, he, it, he folded up and went out and covered his face. Which, just like Jesus, this is an, uh, as showing that Jesus is this prophet to come. A prophet like Moses. Anyway, in power, he's leaving his power with us. Just like, just like Elijah left his power for Elisha, right? Jesus is leaving that same gift with us. Anyway, I told a digression. I'm sorry, but it was something cool I found a few weeks ago. 
Um, so the, uh, let's see. They entered in and they saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. This is verse 11. And so she wept. She stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because I do not, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will go take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Why did Jesus have to rise again? Anybody ever thought about that? Why did he have to rise again? We know the, the Passover lambs, right? They, the Passover lambs were killed. Did they rise again? No, they ate them. Right. No, no, they didn't rise again. The, 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 the bulls, you know, they sacrificed a bull you know, the, each, each year for the, um, the, to go into the Holy of Holies. The, um, uh, they, would, they would lay their hands, the priests would lay their hands on the bull. They would sacrifice the bull. They'd take the, the, uh, the blood and they'd go sprinkle it on the ark, right? Did the bull rise again? No. Wouldn't it have been even more of a sacrifice if he didn't rise again? Why did Jesus have to rise again? I just thought I'd throw that out and see if anybody had an answer. Let's go. You're like, no, are you going to answer that for me? Here's what I believe. There's several, several reasons we're going to go through this morning. Last week we started talking about the feasts. And the, the feasts we're going to talk about this morning all have to do with his rising again. Okay? The, the first thing is the Feast of Trumpets. And I'll tell you, this one, is, uh, this one I had to search for a little bit. I, I knew it was there. But I had, I had to search for it. But it's one of the main reasons why I believe Jesus couldn't stay dead. He had to leave that tomb. He had to, that tomb had to be opened up. And he had to rise again. The Feast of Trumpets. If you, if you want to go there with me, um, feel free to turn over to Exodus chapter 19. 
Exodus 19 and excuse me Rick, I'm going to grab this water over here if you remember in Exodus where we're where we're going to here, um, the people of Israel had come out of Egypt, right? They uh, they led been led by God, you know, in, in Moses to Mount Sinai, and it says here in verse ten, because uh, they, they hadn't been there for very long. It said the Lord said to Moses, "Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments. Let them be ready for the for the what? Anybody, anybody have that?" Verse, uh, verse 11. The third day. Be ready for the third day. Now that sounds interesting. What happens on the third day? Um, be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Beware that you do not go up to the mountain. You do not go up to... Uh, Excuse me, go up to the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him. Interesting. But he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether beast or man. He shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. Did you hear the horn? But Moses, so Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people. They washed their garments. They said to the people, Be ready for the third day. <clears throat> Do not go near a woman. So it came about on the third day. Do you think he's emphasizing something there? Sounds, sounds a lot like Jesus in the New Testament. The third day, there was thunder and lightning, flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound. So that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Um, now Mount Sinai was all in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke to God, and God answered him with thunder. So do you see it? The, the, the earth is quaking there's fire, there's smoke, and there is this sound of a trumpet on the third day. Now, why I say this one, is, I had to put, put together because you don't see, you see with, when Jesus rises, you see an earthquake. You see the sound. You have, you have um, many of the saints who went before, they, they rose from the dead too, remember? You have all of this stuff going on, but you don't see the trumpet um, in the New Testament, but you do in the Old. And here's what, here's what I believe it's saying. Jesus rose proving that he was God. He rose proving that he was God's son. I don't care how good of a person he was. If you stick him in the tomb and he stays there, he's really not God. But he didn't. He rose. Today you can go and see the, the, you can go to the tomb of Muhammad, right? 
You can go and, and view where he's, where he's buried. You can go and view where, where King David is buried. They know that um, the Buddha was, you know, he was cremated and sprinkled his ashes different places. I think they found, uh, you know, some of those ashes again somewhere else not, not too terribly long ago. They know where these other leaders of world religions are buried. They are dead and gone and buried. But there is not a burial place where you can go to where Jesus still is. He proved that he was God by rising from the dead. On the day of trumpets, the first day of the week, the third day from when he was dead, and he opened a new and living way. You know, at the, um, with Moses on Mount Sinai, what, uh, what they were doing was initiating the Old Covenant. Right? That's what Moses was doing. He, me, Moses was the mediator of the Old Covenant. Jesus became the mediator of the New Covenant, which is really great for us. You know, um, with, with Jesus being the mediator of the New Covenant, we are in a covenant of love rather than a covenant of law. We're in a covenant of love rather than a covenant of law. I want to emphasize that to you today because a lot of times we still try to put ourselves under the law. We try to put ourselves, we, we hold ourselves and we beat ourselves up. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we in any way should sin. We should try to get out of sin. I'm not saying we, we should uh, take it lightly and take it for granted that, um, that we have grace. Okay? You don't sin more that you have great more grace. All right? You should be trying to do, you should be trying to follow after Jesus with all you, your heart and do exactly what he wants you to do. But because we're under his love, we're under the, the, the law of Christ and the law of love rather than the law of of the um, Old Testament. We don't have to have the weight of guilt and shame that the law brings. He has done away with that for us. He's taken all that guilt and all the shame from us. And let me tell you, there's some people that they still struggle with the guilt and the shame. Something is something has gone on in your past or maybe it still continues to go on and there's guilt and there's shame there. And Jesus came and he died and he rose again and he started, he initiated the new covenant to remove all the guilt and the shame from whatever you've done wrong. Let me tell you, today, if you, if you have that guilt and the shame, Jesus is here to remove it from you. You don't have to deal with that any longer. He rose again so that you don't have to deal with the guilt and the shame. He died a horrible death, was separated from the Father so that you don't have to deal with the guilt and the shame anymore. Let me encourage you. I, mean, I, I, can, I, can, I can put this in your head, right? And a lot of times the longest road in the world is from here to here. 
You, okay, anybody else or is it just me? Right? I could, put, I could put this in your head. You don't have to deal with it, but get it into your heart. If you need help dealing with it, let me know. I, I, I just had, had some teaching just recently. That junk that's in your head, okay, that, that keeps popping up and popping up and popping up, God can actually heal those memories and take those things away. It is absolutely amazing. He can take those memories away and you don't have to deal with that junk anymore. He can remove them and heal. And it's, it's weird because it's not like you can't access those. All right? But instead of popping up, popping up, popping up and, and, and getting in your face, they're gone. You, it's like you have to intentionally try to remember them. Don't deal with the guilt and the shame anymore. Jesus already did. Okay? You don't have to climb on the cross. He did that for you. And if you're trying to deal with the guilt and the shame, you're trying to put yourself on the cross, and he's already taken it. The, um, the day of trumpets, the feast of trumpets. The, you know, another, we, we started talking about this last week, and it goes right along with the feast of trumpets. But Jesus, we know that he was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, right? I've talked about the um, Day of Atonement a little bit already. The Day of Atonement, once a year, they would sacrifice the bull. They, the priests would put their hands on the, the bull and, they, and basically impart the sins of, of Israel into this bull. They'd sacrifice it and then go sprinkle the blood right, on the altar that once, once a year so that, that each year they would, that God could, want, could look down and say, okay, and he would see the blood on the altar. And Jesus, of course, he was that sacrifice where God himself, instead of it being on a bull, God put all the sins of the world onto Jesus. I mentioned this last week, so I won't take too much of your time but consider as I'm trying to find my place here consider all of just all the sins that you've had everything you've ever done wrong your entire life just you and somebody taking the guilt of all those now think about everything that everyone in this room has done wrong for their entire lives Think about everybody in Wyndham. Everything that they've done wrong their entire lives. Now, what do you think about the world for eternity? The sins of everyone placed upon one man. Well, no wonder he died. Can you imagine the weight of guilt and shame and not the right scripture um, we know also that Jesus 
when he rose again, it says in Hebrews, that, that he ascended into, into heaven. And he sprinkled, so this is where the, the Day of Atonement is split. He died with the sins of the world, but when he rose again, remember I, I read in John, right? Remember, he, he, he's there all of a sudden. Um, Mary recognizes him and he says, quit touching me. Stop it. Right? But not too long later, he's there in the, in the room with the disciples and he's telling Thomas, here, touch me. See this? Put your hands on my, here, touch my hands. Put your hand into my side. See that I'm really real. What's the difference? Is it because Mary's a woman and Thomas is a guy? I mean, th think about it. Guys on the football field, they, they go around, they slap each other on, on the bum, right? And it's just perfectly fine, right? But don't do that in public. <laughs> don't go down the street and go, all right, not, not cool. Right? Is, it, is it something like that, that it's okay for Thomas but not okay for Mary? No, I, I think what, what you see is as the, the, high, the high priest, before he would actually um, uh, sacrifice the bull, he had, he had to bathe. He had to bathe and change clothes. Right? And remember, Jesus said, I have a baptism to undergo, meaning his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He was cleansed. He was ready to go into the temple and offer the blood of the sacrifice on the holy, heavenly altar. Not the blood of a bull or a goat or a ram, but his own. To walk into the and walk into the heavenly temple before the Father and say, I've got the blood. The blood that forever and always cleanses from sin. My pure blood. As I was mentioning about the guilt and the shame. It's very similar to that. You know, God is in the business of forgiving sins. Jesus took all of your sins on the cross. Everything that you've ever done, everything that you will ever do wrong, He has taken Him on Himself. And let me, let me just say, there's some of, some of us, we have a hard time with that. Some of us, we don't think we're worthy to have our sins forgiven. Or maybe it's you have a hard time forgiving yourself. I can't believe I did that. Oh, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I hurt that person that way. I can't believe I, I hurt God that way. I can't believe I, you fill in the blank. Do, is, is there a sin that you just can't get over? Jesus already took it. He already took it all away. The Day of Atonement. He was sacrificed. Don't, don't try to, to take back those sins upon you that He already took on Himself. Can you imagine that? Jesus hanging on the cross. He said, excuse me, Lord, I want that sin back. Can I, can I please have that one? Yeah, that one, that one, and that one. I want to I I bear those. That's what you're doing if you keep on going, oh, I can't believe... No! If you don't let go of those things, 
you're trying to get them back from someone who took them voluntarily for you and, and forgave them. Again, that's not to, that's not to mean that we take, make light of sin. It's not to mean that we, that we aren't always trying to, to walk further and be you know, more and more and more like Jesus every single day. But he died that our sins would be forgiven, not just covered once a year, but completely removed. And what's great is it says that he is taking your sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west from you. The Day of Atonement. Only, only Jesus, only the Son of God, only the Son of God, only the perfect sacrifice. If just anyone could die for their own sins, then that's all you would have to do to get to heaven, is die. But only the perfect man could die for the sins of the world and take rise again and take that blood into the heavenly throne room, into the heavenly holy of holies and offer that once for all. And he did it for you. The, um, he also is, he's the first fruit. The first fruit. In 1 Corinthians 15, you don't have to go there if you don't want to, but 15, 20, it says, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Did you catch that? He is uh, the fulfillment. At, at the, when he was raised from the dead on the third day, the, the, the feast of the first fruits, Jesus became that for us. In the, in the Jewish theology before Jesus, they had no thought of a person like rising from the dead at, as you know, kind of this, I don't even know how to describe what Jesus is, kind of a spirit man, right? Because uh, Jesus, he wasn't completely just a spirit. He could eat, right? He could say, hey, hey, come touch me. He could, he could cook something over the fire and hand it to somebody. You know, a, a spirit doesn't eat and drink. But Jesus did. He, and he could have somebody actually feel him, but at the same time, he could disappear. He could walk through a wall. He could ascend. He became the first fruits for us. The, the Jews believed that at the last day that everybody would be raised from the dead, some going to um, eternal punishment, some going to eternal glory. They had no concept of a person doing that, one person. But Jesus opened the way for us. He opened the way for us to realize that that's our destiny. Our destiny is to rise again just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus. We were to, to rise again just like him. By the way, that's also why the trumpet 
sound. It says with the shout, the, the archangel with the, with the trumpet, the dead in Christ will rise first. I think there was a trumpet in Jesus uh, when he rose from the dead. It doesn't say it, but I believe there was. He might have been just up in heaven, but I believe there was some shouting going on. Anybody play trumpet? We should. <laughs> Look, we have eternal life, and this is not just a hope for us for the future. Now, there is hope for the future. Hear me. There, there is hope for a fu the future. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if, you have, if you, there's been a time in your life when you have said, um, I know that I'm a sinner and I can't make it on my own, and you turn to Jesus and say, I know that you're the Son of God, you lived a perfect life, you died for my sins, you rose again, would you please take all my sins, give me your, give me your righteousness, you take my sins, and I'm going to follow you all of my days. If you've done that, then you have hope. You're going to live, everybody's going to live forever. Some are going to live forever in glory and some are going to eternally live forever apart from God. Right? But life happens in glory. Death does not, death does not mean you, you cease to exist. Death means that you are separated from the life of God. That's why when Jesus died, he died. He was separated from the life of God. That's what death is. That's why Adam and Eve died. That day, they were separated out from the life of God. Jesus was separated. We don't have to be separated. We get to live. We, eternal life for us starts now. It starts when you say yes to Jesus. And it means that we can more and more live outside, out from underneath the curse. The curse doesn't hold us any longer. That's so why we need to, this life of God, that just, you know, we've not received our, our heavenly bodies yet, okay? One of these days we will. But I, I believe we're living so far below where God wants us to live, all of us. And I think it's a, I think it's a multi-generational thing that each generation should take another step further and further, you know, and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take this next step living more in glory. I'm going to take this next step living more in, in an awakening and in a revival. And I think it's multi-generational, but we need to take that step. And we need to live further than where we are right now, above the curse. We, the curse doesn't hold us. We should, the church, Christians, should have, we, we should have the best minds out there, Right? I mean, the, the, the one who created everything lives within us. The best art, the best entertainment, the best, um, the best musicians, the best thinkers, the best scientists. You talk about agriculture, right? You talk about planting stuff in the ground. In, in Romans 8, it says that the, the ground awaits, the earth awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. Why? Because even the, even the curse on the ground gets lifted because of the church. The church should have the, the best plants. The church should have the best agriculture because we get to lift the curse off. Speak to that ground and command it to, to produce fruit. 
What ground do you have that you need to come in to produce fruit? Let's walk more and more out from underneath the curse. The curse on our bodies, the curse on our finances, the curse on our work, the curse on our families. The cur- Look, Jesus took the curse. He became the first fruits so that we can walk in the abundant life that he has for us. Wait, it says the abundant life is what? Just for a glory? No. It says both in this age and in the one to come, right? He's the first fruits. You know, and there's one other feast. I love John. I think John just wanted to uh, get this in here. In uh, John 20 again, it says this. So this is the, this is the, uh, so when, the, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, this is verse 19. So Jesus rose again. That evening he comes. The doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Yeah, I, would, I think I would need that peace. Somebody that I had just seen, you know, really, really, really dead, really killed, just shows up. Yeah, please give me some peace. Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. The Feast of Pentecost. Now we know that 50 days is when the Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples, but this is a pre-Pentecost. The, the theologians call it a Yoanin. Yeah, John. I don't know what, how, why they pronounce it that way, but it's Yoanin, Johannin, um, Pentecost, where Jesus breathes on the disciples. He is the fulfillment of Pentecost. And I believe Jesus, it says that he had to... It was good for him to go. Remember, this is earlier in John. says, it's good for me to go because if I don't go, then the helper will not come. Right? Receive the Holy Spirit. Pentecost. Why, why is this important? Because he just multiplied himself. He multiplied himself. He was just one, right? What, what, is, what does Christian mean? Yeah. We're supposed to be like Christ. Right? Now, we're never going to be Christ. We are never going to be... Uh, we, we, are, we are adopted children of God. We are not the only begotten son or daughter of God, okay? We, we were, nobody in here... Anybody in here had a virgin birth? Nobody? Okay, we're, we're, we're good. So no, no only begotten sons or daughters of God in here, right? Okay, that's not going to happen. There is only one. Okay, you, you're not going to be God. 
but you are an adopted child of the Most High God, and we don't get that into our hearts enough. God loves you. And what Jesus did is he multiplied himself. He put the spirit that he has within him, the same spirit that, that, that was sent and raised him from the dead. Please get this. This is so amazing. I wish I, could, I, wish I had a revelation of this. I, I got this much. Okay, and I, I hope you can at least get this much. If, if Hopefully you'll get a lot more. The, the spirit that was in Jesus that, uh, that allowed Jesus to do what he did, both to, to live the life that he did, to, to go along beside the, 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 you know, the, the woman who had lost her son, right? The widow, remember the widow of Nain? They're carrying this guy in a coffin and Jesus has, has compassion and says, wait just a second. Here, why don't you live and take care of your mom? How did that happen? The spirit that was in him empowered him to do that. What about Lazarus? This, roll away the stone. The Lord is going to stink. Roll the stone away. Lazarus, get out of there. And take those grave clothes off. The spirit that was in Jesus empowered him to do that. And he says to you, I'm giving you that same spirit. He multiplied himself. Now, what are we going to do with it? You know, Jesus changed the world. He absolutely changed the world. Consider it was just one of him to start with. Right? He grabbed 12 guys to go along with him. And all of history is separated in between before Christ and Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. He changed history forever. With the people just here in this room, we can change history forever. Not because of who we are in the flesh, but because we have the same spirit of Jesus inside of us. What are you supposed to do with the spirit of Jesus who lives in you? You're supposed to be a light to your family, to your friends. Are you supposed to find somebody on the street to pray for? Is there somebody that, that, you, that you know needs something and you're just going to say, you know, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm just going to pray that they're going to be healed or delivered, that they're going to be set free, that they're going to feel the love of Jesus, whatever it might be. Is there somebody there that you just going to I'm going to step out and I'm going to impart what the Spirit of God has in me. Pentecost. 
Jesus multiplied himself and gave us the same spirit that he has. The question is, what are we going to do with it? Will you let the Holy Spirit live through you and work through you just as he did through Jesus? Why did, why did Jesus have to rise again? To show he was the Lord of the feasts. To show that he really is God's only son. The, he is God incarnate. He's the God of the, the trumpets who goes before us. He fights our battles. He's the one who mediates the, the new covenant for us removes the guilt and shame. He's the, he is the God who is, the, um, is that sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. The one that, that not only covers your sins, aren't you glad you don't have to just you know, put blood on you and cover your sins? That'd be gross. You know, no, he took his own blood and, it, and brought forgiveness, removal of sin. They're gone. The Day of Atonement. He is, he is the God of the, um, the first fruits. He is the one that, that rose again and we have hope that we can rise just the same, the same as he did. And not only someday, but we can live that abundant life right now. And we should. He is the God of Pentecost. He is the one that rose again in order to give us his spirit. His spirit. Isn't that awesome? The same spirit that created everything. The same spirit that was in Jesus. is the same spirit that lives in us and quickens our mortal bodies to do extreme exploits for Jesus. He is the Lord of the feast. Let's celebrate him this resurrection day. Amen. And if there's something that you need to let him be Lord of in your life, let me, let me phrase that really carefully. If there's something that you need to let him be Lord of in your life, Maybe you have accepted him as Lord and Savior. That's great. But you know what? Maybe there's something that you're holding back. Maybe it is, as I said earlier, there's a sin that you just, you can't get over. You're not forgiving yourself. You can't accept his forgiveness. Maybe there is uh, some guilt and shame that you just can't get around. Maybe there is, is something that you... Um, uh, Maybe you're not living the fullness of what you need to be living. And you need God to heal you or, or set you free. Get that done today. Okay? Or at least get to start today. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes, sometimes God, boom, and it, it's taken care of. And other times he says, okay, take the step. You can take the step, first step today. The next step will be tomorrow. And the third step will be the day after that. And you're going to keep on going. If that's you, 
Let's get that done today. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for taking our place. What an amazing, Lord, what an amazing exchange. Thank you, Lord, for dying for us and thank you for rising again. You truly are God and we worship you. Lord, I pray for every person in here. Lord, if, if any of these areas have touched their heart, they say, that's me. I can't get over this, or I've got this shame, I've got this guilt, I've got this sin that I can't break, a habit I can't break off, that there is um, something that, that they just they need to um, get over or get beyond. They need to live in the abundant life. Or maybe they need hope of your salvation. They said, I don't have that hope of salvation. I need that. Lord, I pray that you'll show each person here today what they need. Help them to receive that today, to not leave this place without it. Minister to them right now. And now, Lord, I bless each person here, their families, Lord, their, their, their jobs, their, um, their friends and, and uh, extended family who needs to come to you. Lord, I bless them now in the name of Jesus with the blessing and the seal of the Lord Jesus Christ that they will go out with your favor, that they will be blessed in their going in and their going out. Lord, that their protection your protection will be upon them. Lord, that your uh, provision will be upon them. Lord, that, the, uh, that everything they put their hands to, that it will be blessed. That your grace will be abundant to them. And Lord, we give you honor and glory and praise for it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.